August 18, 2023. We're in Masechet Betzah Count down from the top of the Amud. It's nine lines down, two words before the end of the line. The Gemara <coughs> will continue to explain the words in the Mishnah to understand its depth uh, beyond what the words perhaps uh, suggested initially. Hashoel keli mehavero me'erev yom tov. If you recall, the Mishnah distinguished between a person who borrows a utensil from another on Erev Yom Tov, on the eve of Yom Tov, and a person who does so on Yom Tov. Now, you're allowed to do either one of those. The question is how far you'll be able to bring that keli with you. Can you go according to the status of yourself, or do you need to take into account specifically the status of the person who's lending it to you? What do we mean by the status and those sorts of questions? We're talking about the distance outside of the city you'd be able to walk, right? Because in a circumstance where a person left what we've been discussing over the course of the last several days in Eruv Tehumin, it means that person who left the Eruv Tehumin, the uh, amount of two meals, is able to travel further in the direction where they left those two meals. Uh, By extension or in contrast, uh, then in the other direction, uh, the opposite direction, if it was north, then in the southern direction, they wouldn't be able to travel as much because they've established their residing area in the uh, north as opposed to in the south. Now, the question is with regards to items that you borrow from another. What's the status of that item? We say that the item has the status, generally speaking, of the owner. Who's the owner in a circumstance where something was borrowed? There's a partial ownership on two ends. Some, one person is the primary owner. The person who borrowed it is, uh, to a certain extent, the secondary owner. Which one is the primary status in this context when it's the holiday and they're holding on to it? So the Mishnah said it depends whether it was borrowed before the holiday or not. If you gave it to me before the holiday, I become, to a certain extent, the owner of this for the matter of Eruvete Humin. Says the Gemara Peshita. That's just too simple a concept. It can't be the Mishnah was speaking so simply because the fact that I took it from you, put it in my pocket or in my possession before Yom Tov, clearly states, and it wouldn't need to be mentioned in the Mishnah to me and to you, that I am the person in charge of this on the holiday. And as a result, it'll have my status and my limits or my extensions. Latzericha suggests the Gemara, perhaps the case is instead and yes, this is a little bit extending and maybe twisting the words of the Mishnah, but the Gemara cannot fathom, it can't even be ma'ale al hadat that the Mishnah would be teaching something so simple. Instead, shalom esarolo ela biyom tob. Uh, the case must be instead that the, um, although, you see the words misarot, limsor means to hand over. Rashi points out, he teases out that word in our Gemara. It means that the actual item was handed over on Yom Tob, but stipulated beforehand, which means to say I knocked on my, my neighbor's door before the holiday and I said, you know, I'm going to be in need of whatever utensil I want to use. And so I say, um, I says, when will you need it? So I'm going to need it on Yom Tov. He says, sure, no problem. I give you my word, we'll give you that one. Stop by on Yom Tov to pick it up. That's the case. Now, on the one hand, the speech before the holiday designated that that's going to be mine. On the other hand, it was only handed over on Yom Tov. Maybe the fact that Entering into Yom Tov physically, it was in the hands of my neighbor, not in my hands. That should uh, limit me with regards to the status. It's not mine, it's his. The Hidush over here is that nonetheless, since it was stipulated, made clear before the holiday that it would be mine to a large extent to use on the holiday, that's sufficient to give it my status. What's that? What about retroactive? You don't have retroactive issues. You don't need to use Bereda over here. 
because we stipulated before the holiday. The question is, is the stipulation significant? In other words, would I need to, in some, you see, retroactive won't work over here because you have nothing in the, there's nothing in the cards beforehand. There is no retroactive uh, because if there was no speech, so then there's nothing. It's a she'ila mikanu lehaba on the house. I'm going to take you at the front door. No, you're and then when the body goes, I'm good, quite, good point. Says, says uh, well, over there, you don't need to use retroactive either, per se. Over there, you have a stipulation. Your words designated what you're going to do. It's a similar point to this. The point is that my statement is what establishes the status. What we're really looking to do is to give a name or an ownership name to this item. Question is, do you need an action to establish that, or is a gimirat da'at, is the knowledge and understanding and thought are sufficient? What the gimara says, ma'udetema lav birshute ukme, ma'udetema means what would you have thought to say, lav not birshute in his possession, that's my possession, ukme, it was placed, lakim, it wasn't placed in my possession, kamash ma'lan, that's the hidush of our Mishnah, kamash ma'lan means it comes to teach us otherwise, our Mishnah teaches us that the words are sufficient in establishing, we didn't transfer ownership per se, but we established that on the holiday, whose name is written, so to speak, halachically on this item, my name. Says the Gemara, Messiah in truth, this interpretation of the Mishnah is uh, an assistance for the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan. You see, Rabbi Yohanan came after the Mishnah, but Rabbi Yohanan may be explaining our Mishnah, maybe speaking hypothetically or some way or fashion. He had an identical statement. Says the Gemara, if we read the Mishnah the way we just suggested it, let's repeat that again, that the circumstance is that prior to the holiday, I turned to my neighbor and said, can I borrow that? He says, sure, come pick it up on the holiday. It has the status of me, not of my neighbor, even though I only picked it up on the holiday. That's explicit words of Rabbi Yohanan. If a person requests but doesn't receive yet, receives permission, but doesn't physically transfer the item into their possession on the eve of Yom Tov. Even though the actual handover physically of that shirt, of the barrel, of whatever it is, is only on Yom Tov. It has the status of my legs, the legs of the person who's the borrower. The other way also, that if I didn't come pick up my item, that the guy is restricted to use it for his tehum and mm-hmm. the way it goes on my tehum, or once I transact it, then it becomes... Uh, no, no, well, he picks it up on the holiday. Jared's asking, what if he doesn't pick it up? I would imagine it does. In other words, the designation, I don't think there's any, you're to a certain extent asking along the lines of Jeffrey, is there something retroactive? I don't think there's anything retroactive taking place over here. It's a designation. The designation took place with speech, chalas, that's it. And as a result, it's mine, and my neighbor, if I don't come to pick it up, is restricted. No, my question is strong, because right now it's in the lender's possession. So since it's in the lender's possession, even though the words would take it out, the words plus the action takes it out, maybe. Right, why would the action be necessary? I got what you're saying. Why would the action be necessary? The only way you're gonna work with action is- The action's gonna be necessary on the borrower. Once the borrower actually has it in his possession, then only it's gonna be restricted to the lender. The only, I, um, what I'm suggesting, what I'm explaining to you, I, I hear your logic. Right. I, when I'm, I'm putting you together with Jeffrey. I'm sorry, worse things could happen. I I'm saying the only reason you're, you'd say that the right action now. is a necessary thing is you're saying the action links back into the words at the beginning. 
That's a retroactive vision of sorts. I don't see any of that taking place over here. It's a designation which was sufficient. That's what the Gemara, I think, is telling I us. Closes it in some way. Yeah, all right. It's, it's, it's a good question. I don't buy it. Uh, says the Gemara. So are we saying that the lender could use the item if he designated no. it? No. We're suggesting yeah. he could as much as the borrower. It's right. in the possession, so to speak, of the borrower, even though the borrower didn't pick it up. Okay. Says the Gemara, right, So the Mishnah continued, and the Mishnah said, okay, that if you gave it to him, well, we interpreted not gave it, but committed to giving it to him before Yom Tov, so then it has the status of the borrower. What if you gave it to him? Those were the words in the Mishnah on Yom Tov. Well, then it has the status, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, on Yom Tov, it has the status of the lender. Uh, so the Gemara again is going to say, that's simple as well. Peshita, same question, but in the opposite direction. No, it's if you tell me that, I only handed over the garment, the item, the uh, keli, on Yom Tov. So of course it was mine. If it was mine in that critical zone called Ben Hashem Ashot, the threshold period entering into the holiday, well then it's mine entirely, even though I gave it to you on Yom Tov. You're not changing the status per se. Answers the Gemara, Latzericha, perhaps the case is instead, Deragil Vishail Mineh. Is ragil v'sha'il mine. Ragil means often, it's common. Sha'il means to request, to ask as a borrower. Mine means from him, which means to say, hey, you have a daily or maybe a weekly borrowing service from me. I weekly or daily lend you whatever it is that you would be coming and requesting at this time. You didn't show up on Eid of Yom Tov. I don't know why. But you didn't. On Yom Tov, you knocked on the door. You said, by the way, can I get the uh, utensil that I always pick up? And so I say, sure. What's the status of that utensil in that moment? There was no verbal designation, certainly no signing, no passing over physically, nothing entering into the holiday. But it almost goes without stating. Of course you're going to come pick it up. You always come pick it up. However, you didn't pick it up before the holiday. And you didn't even have the conversation with me before the holiday. Does the regular status establish for us the ownership in the context of to the extent that even though nothing was discussed before the holiday, but the regular, stat, the regular state of beings should establish it as the borrowers or not. The Hidush over here is Memar Amar, perhaps instead of that, excuse me, perhaps we should say, perhaps we should say, I have established it, me as the owner, I changed the owner in this case, I've established it in your possession, or you've established it in your possession through your ragil v'sha'il, through your past uh, business uh, transactions, through your past uh, involvement and actions, the fact that you've always come to me, you didn't need to do anything specifically over here. Of course it's yours. You always take it. It's going to have your status. Again, it's not yours as an owner entirely, but it's yours with regards to it's going to be yours. The Hidush of our Mishnah is otherwise, Memar Amar, me as the owner, say to myself, gee, he hasn't come yet entering the holiday. I say to myself, Dilma, maybe, Mashkah Inish Aharina. Mashkah means find or found. Inish means a person, like Anashim. Aharina means a different. I say to myself, you know, I know I had a good thing going with him. 
They must have found someone else. It happens. Ve'azil, and he went, ve'sha'ilmine, and he borrowed from him, which means to say that there's no lock-ins with regards to Ilvetehumin. And what the Gemara is suggesting from our Mishnah is the case in our Mishnah is one of these funny, strange circumstances. You always come and borrow. This year, this week, this day, you didn't come and ask for it. That maybe we should say, okay, it's an anomaly. It doesn't mean anything. No, we say to ourselves, halachically speaking, that the owner said he must have gone to someone else. And as a result, the da'at, the mindset entering into the holiday was not that it's yours, but rather that it's mine. And as a result, you're limited. And the owner can take it wherever he wants. And if the guy comes to borrow it from him on the holiday, he cannot. He has the status. He has the limits of the owner. Okay, that's what we had thus far in our Mishnah. Now the Mishnah continued, if you recall. The final lines of the Mishnah talked about a woman, specifically the Mishnah talked about, who borrowed... uh, by extension, it's a man who borrowed melach tavlin or maim, uh, water, salt, or spices in order to bake bread or to bake anything else. We were talking about baking bread. What's the status with regards to that bread? They borrowed it on the holiday. They don't generally borrow and they didn't step, stipulate beforehand. The status of the ingredients that they borrowed or ingredient that they borrowed has, says the Mishnah, that of the lender. And the dough and anything else that went into it has the status of the owner over here, the borrower, which means to say that this is a mixture of sorts. This loaf of bread has my status as the person who put in the primary and main ingredients, and it as well, whatever else you added to it through my borrowing on the holiday, my wife's borrowing on the holiday, you too have a stake in this. And in turn, this is a limited loaf of bread. The loaf of bread has the status and limitations of both parties. If you can only go a thousand in that direction, so too can I. If I can go in that direction, so too can you. And means to say that this loaf of bread, being yours and mine, is in turn very much stuck in place based on the qualifications of each party. When they say borrow, does that mean the spices or whatever the case might be is going to be returned? It's a little one, as opposed to the gift? Yes. Has to be. Has to be. So, so if, if that was your question two, three days ago. That's, has to be. Has so to if, be. If they're giving the salt. As a matana, this is not an issue. Must be. Because otherwise, matana, it's entirely mine. You could be makne in that circumstance. We had that earlier on the Dafio Dalit. Um, it's, it's specifically, it's, it's being lent. No, no, but they return no, different water. You're saying, I'm no, it's not the same water. I'm required to return Must something. Be. No, but you told us water, you don't have to do anything. The Mishnah had a final statement over there that maybe water is different. It was a mahloket of sorts. The final words in the Mishnah were that water... Not me, Rabbi Yudah did. Rabbi Yudah, poter b'mayim p'nei she'en b'hen mamma. If I need salt, if you think I don't think usually. I think that that's the case in our Mishnah. There's a gas with salt also. Isn't there something with salt? Hey, hey, hey. Okay, says the Gemara, I don't know Gansis right now. Says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, Kisalik Rabbi Abba, when Rabbi Abba was Salik. We have that word in the Gemara very often when we have Salka Da'atach Amina. Salka means to come up. Salik means to go up. Salka Da'atach Amina means it may have risen in your mind to say. Over here what it means is when he went up. Where do you go up physically? Of course you go to Eretz Israel. When Rabbi Abba was either making Aliyah, moving to Israel, or going to just study over there. And we find this from time to time in the Gemara. We find individuals who come back to Babel after studying in Israel. We find individuals who are going to study in Israel. There were two major academies 
case, each one was a little bit intimidated by the other. Specifically, as we'll see in this story, the Bavliim were very intimidated by the Chachmei Eretz Yisrael at this particular time. Remember, Chachmei Eretz Yisrael had a certain pride, had a certain way to their being. The Gemara explains them as having dressed very finely. They had a certain majestic you know, gesture to them. And as a result, you'll find from time to time they're even making fun of the Bavliim. We had it earlier in Masech, in our Masech, remember? Hane Bavle Tipshae, they said those silly uh, Bavliim, they are, they, they eat mela, they eat, uh, what was it? Nahama bin Nahama, they eat uh, the bread with the bread, remember that? Okay, what happened? So you have this sort of schism, that's just the backdrop. See, here it is, Rabbi Abba. Of course, of course, ultimately speaking, you know, that's, that's the uh, hope and prayer of, I was going to say a Jew, but really a Mets fan. The underdog wins out sometimes. <laughs> he said it should be the will of heaven. I, I only hope, I only request of you, God, that I say something which will be requested. He's nervous. He's about to be intimidated, perhaps, by the rabbis in Israel, by the scholars who are residing there. And he says, I, I know, I might know my stuff. But who said it's going to come out properly? I'm going to have almost my interview as I enter into the land and I meet the other scholars and rabbis there. Please, help me, God. Let me say the right thing. Kisalik, as he rises, as he gets into Eretz Yisrael, Ashkehe, he found, So either of these two versions of three rabbis sitting together and discussing something in Halakha, he finds... Again, two lists of potential rabbis, two versions to the story, who Rabbi Abba encounters when he gets to the land of Israel. Viyatve, they were sitting, we switched the taf with the shin, yasheve, they were sitting, amre, and they were asking, or they were stating, with regards to our Mishnah. Here was their issue. Amai, question mark, vilivtil isa. Their question, these rabbis in Israel, as they sat around and discussed this Mishnah was, why don't we say that there's a bitul, that there's an annulment with regards to the ingredients in the uh, dough? Why don't we say that the primary, as we described it, ingredients are provided by the owner of the dough, the baker of the bread, and anything that came in is a minority uh, in, uh, involvement. It's not all that much. It's a little bit of salt, maybe a lot of bit of salt, but ultimately speaking, the salt, the water even, and uh, certainly the spices are not going to make up the primary substance and fabric of this bread. And as a result, punchline, it might make the bread, but it's not to the extent, it depends what you're talking about, maybe, maybe water, certainly not salt and spices, they're not ma'amid to that extent, if that's what you're suggesting, and as a result, the suggestion, the question of these rabbis was, why don't we have a circumstance, a situation of bitul? What's Indeed we do. Jared is asking, why don't we talk about 160th or something of that sort? Maybe it goes without stating. Maybe their question is, why is the Mishnah so matter-of-factly mahmir? Why didn't the Mishnah say, except for when there's a 60th? When you're dealing with salt and, and spices, my wife, I have to speak with her, I don't think you're dealing with you know, that much that goes into a loaf of bread in regular circumstances. I think the question is, you know, even though it's not fully articulated like that, I think it's, it's a strong one nonetheless. Uh, what are we talking about? What's this concept of bitul? We throw it around and we discuss it from time to time. Is it okay? The milk and the meat and things of that sort. It all stems from a pasuk in parashat mishpatim. Ironically, the pasuk in parashat mishpatim is not talking about kashrut. It's not talking about monetary issues in the traditional sense. It's talking about judges 
is in court. And the Pasuk says, Ahare Rabbim Lahatot, we are swayed in Jewish judgment by the majority view in the court setting. It's based on that Pasuk in the Torah that the Gemara Masechet Chudin and Daf Yod Aleph extends this to the circumstance situations we're familiar with, with to this concept of Bitul Berov, of two swallowing up one, of 60 swallowing up one, depending on the circumstance situation we've learned earlier in our Masechet. Sometimes it's larger numbers when we're dealing with Tiruma or matters of that sort. But when it comes down to it, or, or Hametz, which doesn't have Bitul, when it comes down to it, their question was, we do have a primary force and matter in halakha called bitul berov or bitul in general. Why don't we have a bitul in this circumstance? Why isn't there an annulment to the extent that, let's review it just one more time, my primary and, and necessary ingredients which are in this loaf should, so to speak, swallow the ingredients you've given to me to put into this and the status, the heading, the title of this loaf should be entirely mine instead of, entirely, instead of partially mine and partially yours. Why are we taking into account your role in this? That was the question that the rabbis had about this Mishnah. Says the given. Now, before the Gemara goes on, it should be noted. You see, there is a question, or was a question, in the context of Kashrut, of Bitul in general. When we talk about this concept known as Bitul, do we talk about it specifically when there are several entities, several particles put together? That's certainly where we talk about bitul. Different judges, different ingredients put together. What about the following situation? Benish Haina Shelotishbot Raf Pe'alim and Hilak Aleph questioned the following or was questioned about the following situation. If I have a large utensil and I want to kosher it, it's very difficult to imagine this is very large and in turn can't fit into a larger tub to do something like Haga'ala. Uh, the, the boiling water, which will, will, will this will be subsumed, a keli, a utensil, in that amount. So what you can, under circumstances, based on the situation, do is put partially one side and then turn it around and cool it off, maybe, or before it cools off, and stick in the other side. And that's what you could do. Said Ben Ishai, said Yosef Hayim of Baghdad, he had a situation where someone did it partially, forgot to do the other part. But they did the majority of it. They were just missing a small amount of a single utensil. His question effectively was, do we say bitul on a single entity? It's just one pot. It's a single utensil. It's not three utensils, two kosher, one unkosher. It's one single utensil, a loaf of bread which has a quarter of it being problematic ingredients, but three quarters being uh, kosher ingredients and so forth, those sorts of circumstances. Do we talk about bitul when we're talking about something more homogenous, something that's really one as opposed to a mixture? That was the question. He brought a proof, even though he, he documented this was a debate, from our sugya. The fact that the Gemara doesn't throw out the question and say, what are, it, it not only entertains it, it struggles with it. Clearly, we would entertain and understand the concept of bitul on a single entity on one loaf of bread. It's a longer conversation, but it's a fascinating it proof and concept in our Gemara, and therefore you're saying it's different, but ultimately speaking, yeah. it's a loaf of bread. Okay. So maybe you're distinguishing, I'll tell you as well, there are different alloys and metals in this pot over here as well, you know. I, I'm no scientist or chemist, but I can tell you, I know it's not really just one thing. And as a result, uh, you're right. It might have to be very fine. Hard to believe we're going to go that far. But Okay, anyway, that's the question back in our Gemara. So that's brought parenthetically as a proof. But in our Gemara, that was the question the rabbis were debating in Eretz Yisrael. Keep in mind, Rabbi Abba, the meek and tender young man or old man, who's now encountering the Eretz Yisrael rabbis, needs to impress them, wants to. Amalehu Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba, audaciously speaks up and 
says, הרי שנתערב לו קו חיטים בעשרה קווים חיטים של חברו, יאכל הלאה וחדה. Uh, let me give you the following theoretical situation, says Rabbi Abba. If I have a single kav, that's a measurement of chitim, of wheat, and it gets mixed in with your ten kavim, a measurement as well, let's call it a pound. You have ten pounds of wheat, and I have a single pound of wheat. And inadvertently, mine gets mixed in with yours. Do you mean to tell me yochal hala? Hala means that one, meaning the friend who's got the ten, he'll eat it. Hade means to be happy. You mean to tell me he could just sit back and enjoy that loaf of bread? Yani, there's no problem whatsoever. In other words, I come over to your mill and I'm interested in grinding some of my wheat and my wheat gets mixed in in yours and you look at me and you say, oh, thanks for sharing. I mean, what are you sharing? I want my stuff back. It's, no, it's already mixed in. Maybe I'll give you the value, but I'm not actually giving you a partial ownership in this loaf of bread. In other words, what Rabbi Abba in an ad absurdum, out of this world case says, he says, of course that's not going to be the case. Of course in that situation you would agree to me that that guy, the person who lost their one kav of chitim in the ten of the other person never lost their stake in this. I'll pause for a second. Why not? It sounds like a question, but it's a question that's really just addressing the issue. It's just reiterating their question, their issue. Tosafot questions one second. We have a concept known as The matter of halacha goes as follows. If there's a majority, if there's an amount, which is the threshold with regards to the status of this item, that's going to be determining what the whole status is. What type of question? So you gave, you, what, you're tugging at the emotional, uh, emotional uh, 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 angle over here? You're saying, well, could it really be? Yes, it could really be. Yes, it's tragic. I feel really bad. But if my one kav of hitim gets mixed with your ten, I lost it. And maybe you'll have to pay me back. We're not stealing. But I have no stake in that loaf. Why does Tosa, why does the Gemara, why did Rabbi Abba, they're going to laugh at Rabbi Abba in just a moment, but not because of this. Why did he think this was a good claim? Because he, had, because he didn't want to give it to God. He, he didn't intend to give it. Understood. It's tragic. Now Bitul is dependent upon that, you're going to tell me. Oh, very yeah. interesting. But since when? Uh, Bitul is, is a reality. I mean, halachic reality. It's different to get a stake in it, get paid, or get the challah. It's the same yes, thing. Pay, it's the same thing. I want, you want me to make it emotionally appealing for you? We're going into Shabbat, Shabbat Kodesh. It's Shabbat. I want bread for the Shabbat table. You say to me, I'm sorry, I'll pay you the value of the bread. You can't have it. We're going to enjoy it in my home. You want, whatever. The point is, I'd rather, for whatever reason, or theoretically, it would make sense or, or, or should make sense. I, I, you're making that you're making the case, yeah. but ultimately speaking, that's the question of Tosafot. What type of question is this that Rabbi Abba posed them, and, and Tosafot suggested in turn that we're confusing concepts and entities over here. When we talk about bitul in general, we're not talking about a financial bitul. We're talking about a a, a halachic entity, a isur bitul. Is this mutar or asur? Bitul says it's mutar or it's asur. Is this case hayav or zakai? Hayav or zakai? Innocent or guilty. Uh, that's the types of concepts we deal with. When it's a financial stake, we don't say my finances swallow your finances. There's no such concept. That's the suggestion. So in turn, when we're talking about this sugya, we are talking something in terms of tahumin. But ultimately speaking, what's the crux of the issue? This loaf of bread, 
whose loaf of bread is it? Mine or yours? That's to a certain extent the financial. We call that the Shem Be'alim, says Tosafot. What's the name? What's the ownership stake or ownership status of this loaf? We're not going to do bitul over there. The same way we wouldn't say that if you dropped some money into my bank, it's my money now. Maybe I need to pay you back. And it's not about I'm not going to give you the exact one, maybe, but ultimately speaking, it's not lost from you in that in that bowl, in that in that mass. That's the question of Rabbi Abba. So again, Rabbi Abba turns to the three rabbis congregated and discussing this issue in Eretz Israel and says to them, I have the solution. I'll tell you why in our Mishnah, when the woman borrowed the salt, the water, the spice, in order to put into her halad, there's no bitul. The reason is because we're dealing with Shem Be'alim. We're dealing with the name of the owner. We're dealing with a financial issue. We don't do bitul berov, as he demonstrated from that case of the one kav and, and ten kavim of Hitim. Says the Gemara, how did the rabbis react to Rabbi Abbas? claim, his bold response in the context of new rabbis that he met. Says the Gemara, Ahiku Aleh. They, they laughed at him. Now they didn't even explain that, they just laughed at him. Rabbi Abba shows up, I've been through this in my life, I've audaciously and boldly spoken up at a place, and they just laughed at me, I know the feeling. Amar Lehu, he turned to them and he says, this is where he's really bold, Goltichu Shakle, he says, did I, ta- did I take your clothing? Is the reason you're laughing? Because I did something funny? I didn't take your clothing. Rashi says, this is the underclothing of the top cloak of the scholars of the Hachamim. So in Israel, as I mentioned to you earlier, I don't know if this was in Babel as well, but certainly in Israel, the Gemara and Shabbat and elsewhere says, they dressed with a real majesty, with a real, a real uh, 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 appropriate fashion for those who have a dignified approach to life. And so as a result, they had, maybe in Bavela's where they certainly had an outer coat and an undercoat of some sort, undercloak, and he says to them, did I take your undercloak? It's, um, it's the way we would say today, did I take your underwear? And I, was, I don't know if we would say that, but in other words, he says, what's so funny over here? Well, what are you laughing at? And so what's their response to that? hadur They again laughed at him. They're just having a blast without responding to Rabbi Abba. They just think he's hysterical. Your response was funny. Your counter response, because you think you're right, that's even funnier. You're standing your ground. I can't get enough of this guy, this, uh, Babel, this uh, Bavil individual uh, rabbi who came to visit us. Amar of Osha'aya, the Gemara now, uh, steps back. It's not an, in the moment, it's thinking about what happened over there and defending poor Rabbi Abba. Amar of Osha'ya, Shapir Avud, before defense, uh, we were slamming him. Says the Gemara of Osha'ya, says, you might be confused. Poor Rabbi Abba, he spoke well, he was bold and he had a good point. Shapir, Shapir means good. Avud, they acted, they acted properly in laughing at him. He had a ridiculous claim. Oh, it was ridiculous. What a good claim. He said, ownership, status, Shem Be'alim. That was a good one. What was wrong with the claim of Rabbi Abba? One more time. What was the claim? The question was, why don't we have bitul in the loaf of bread? His response was, you don't have bitul when it comes to financial ownership status. May shena chitim b'se'orim delo ka'amar lehu da'hava lemin b'she'eno mino u'min b'she'eno mino batil chitim b'chitim nameh so there's a little bit of background which is necessary. The Gemara in Masechet Hulin, the Gemara elsewhere as well, has a, a well-known mahloket between Rabbi Huda and Hachamim. And the mahloket stems from Pesukim and Parashat Haremot. 
The Pesukim Harashat HaHaremot have nothing to do with the laws, generally speaking, of Isur Veheter, what's permitted, what's not permitted, has to do with the Seda Avodah, what the Kohen Gadol was to do in the Mishkan on Yom Kippur, later in the Mikdash on Yom Kippur. And the Pesukim describe how at one point the Kohen Gadol would take blood from a par, from a certain bull, and he would mix it together with blood from a Se'ir, a Se'ir being a goat. I thought a goat is an ace. Okay, a goat, a he goat, a she goat, and he'd mix the two together. And then the Pasuk says he would take the blood of the par and the blood of the se'ir and then sprinkle it or drop it next to the mizbeach. Oh, pause for a second. Which one, I'm going based on the rabbis here, not my, my zoological knowledge, which one has more blood? Clearly the bull has more blood. And nonetheless, the Pasuk in the Torah says he would take the blood of the bull and the blood of the se'ir together. It seems to be demonstrating and telling us there was no bitul. Instead of just saying the blood of the bull, the Torah mentions both to tell you there's no bitul, there's no annulment, there's no knocking out one based on the majority. Says Rabbi Huda, based on that, Rabbi Huda from the time of the Mishnah, he says, you see, min bimino lo batil. And min bimino means a species and its like species never get annulled. And what do we mean by that? We mean that when we're dealing with blood and blood, says Rabbi Huda, there's no such thing as bitul. If I'm dealing with, I don't know, blood and water, bitul. If I'm dealing with water and milk, bitul. I'm dealing with meat and milk, bitul. I'm dealing with meat and meat. I'm dealing with blood and blood. I'm dealing with hitim and hitim, thank you. No bitul. That's Rabbi Huda's principle. Hachamim disagree. They read the Pesukim differently. They understand in the Mishkan and the Mikdash there was no bitul in the Seder Avodah, in Avodah of the Kohen. But that means primarily for us, let's go back to the example provided by Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba, when he turned to the rabbis and he gave them that example, remember what it was? If I have one pound, one kav of hitim, and it got mixed in with 10 pounds of hitim of yours, oh, of course, in that circumstance, you're not going to argue there's bitul. Pause for a second. Why'd you give the example like that, Rabbi Abba? The fact that you articulate, the fact that you spoke about the same species, the hitim, the hitim, the wheat and the wheat, seemed to tell us that you agree if it was wheat and barley, if it was wheat and spelt, if it was wheat and oat, there would be bitul. The fact that you spoke like that about hitim and hitim makes us believe that you're taking your hat and you're hanging it on Rabbi Huda. The only reason you made this claim is because you went with a minority opinion with Rabbi Huda that there's no bitul in this situation. It wasn't the way we articulated and understood it earlier. It must be because we're dealing with ownership and ownership doesn't get a No, you were talking about That's why the rabbis are laughing at him. You, that's cute. You learned Rabbi Huda's opinion. You think the halakha is not like Rabbi Huda. Your claim is all built upon a wrong assumption that the halakha follows Rabbi Huda that mean that's why they were laughing at you. Just to read it together in the Gemara for a moment. Five lines from the top. Why is it different? Why did you specifically speak about hitim biseorim deloka amar lehu? Why didn't you talk about wheat and barley in your example? It must be dahavale min besheenomino, because that would be a species and it's not like, it's other like species. 
ומין בשאינו מינו בתיר. And you would agree that in that situation there would be a nomen. חיתים בחיתים נמה, when I deal with wheat and wheat as well, נהידל ביהודה לא בתיר, even if according to the opinion of ביהודה there's no ביטול, there's no nomen, לרבנן מבטיל בתיר, according to the חכמים it should be בתיר. Let's for a moment, even though the Gemara doesn't say it explicitly, kind of apply as well this logic to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was talking about wheat together with water and salt and spices. That's min b'sheno bat mino. The fact that you spoke about min b'mino, the wheat and the wheat, doesn't seem applicable to our situation. You can't make your claim if your claim was built upon the opinion of Rabbi Uda and make it like, likable and, and, and similar to our situation, which is min eno mino. Parenthetically, Tosafot points out the fact that the Gemara is so clearly speaking against Rabbi Uda, it's telling us that we don't follow the opinion of Rabbi Uda, that even min mino is batil. But that's the question that they had Upon, uh, that's what Rav Oshaya explains was the question that the rabbis had on Rabbi Abba. Piece it all together very briefly. Rabbi Abba uh, makes his way to Eretz Yisrael. He finds the rabbis debating. They're uncertain. How come in our Mishnah you don't have bitul? How come in our Mishnah there's no annulment with regards to the status of this bread and say that the owner who put together the major part of it, he's the full owner of this. He can move it and she can move it wherever they want to go on the holiday. Rabbi Abba or maybe clears his voice and he says, wait a second, what about my situation? One kav of chitim with ten kav of someone else's chitim, of course he can't just eat it as, uh, to his heart's desire. He has to take into account that mine is in it. They all laugh at him. He says, did I take your cloak that you're laughing at me? They laugh even more. Says Rav I'll explain to you why they were laughing. Because the assumption, if you were careful in the words of Rabbi Abba, was according to the wrong halachic authority. He was following Rabbi Huda. That mean b'mino lo batil. That's not the halacha. We go like hachamim. We're adding in as well, and parentheses. And furthermore, we're probably talking about in our Mishnah, a min b'she'eno mino situation, which means to say there should be bitul if we're to take into account this sort of conversation. We had then at this point, although the Gemara will continue, at this point we're at a standstill. The question that the rabbis had, notwithstanding Rabbi Abba's attempt, stands. How come in our Mishnah we don't have, we didn't have the possibility of bitul when the woman makes that loaf of bread? I may have, during the time of the Mishnah, given you the punchline in the Gemara, but the Gemara is still not yet there. We'll get there in coming days, inshallah.